Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Investing in the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Phil Pustiovsky with FreedomMentor.com. Today's topic, the biggest house flipping mistake. This is so simple, yet so devastating. And experts and beginners alike fall victim to it. And what's most sad about it is that most people don't recognize it as a mistake at all. Instead, when this happens, I have seen where people blame the economy. They blame the real estate market, or they just say it's plain bad luck. But the reality is, every single seller of a property could run into this mistake. And it has nothing to do with the market. It has everything to do with the choices that the seller makes. And so it is my contention that this mistake is so rampant because most people don't know any better. But in this podcast, you're going to discover what most investors will never know about house flipping. You're about to discover the biggest, mis- biggest house flipping mistake investors make and how to avoid it. But let's start with a fundamental truth. Studies show that some 60% of signed real estate contracts never make it to closing. In fact, this figure was taken from a period of time when the real estate market was booming in the mid-2000s. That means that less than half of the buyers who make offers on houses ever actually close. That should be a wake-up call to anyone who earns any income from selling real estate, especially those who specialize in house flipping. If any of your money is ever dependent on a prospective buyer purchasing your house and statistics prove that 60% of the cases the buyer won't make it to closing, wouldn't you like to know how to ensure that the deal closes and you get paid? All right, great. Well, let's talk about how you avoid the biggest house flipping mistake. The most successful House flipping investors have at least one technique in common. Ready for it? Drum roll. The moment you've all been waiting for. The way to avoid the biggest house flipping mistake is to control the buyer on every deal. Control the buyer. What does that mean, control the buyer? Well, when you control the buyer, you are the one calling the shots in the deal. You're the one in control. The problem is that most sellers of real estate are so scared of losing a prospective buyer that they let the buyer and his or her buyer's agent run all over them. This is especially true with house flippers because oftentimes they are a twinge desperate to get rid of the property so they can realize their profits because every day that their property is not sold is either costing that investor money from holding costs or at the very least is not putting any money in their pocket. Real estate investors are notorious for allowing buyers to take control, call the shots, and push them around because they are so scared of losing that buyer. Fascinatingly enough, though, the more desperate you are, the more you need to control the buyer. If you don't control your buyer, you will experience the 60% failure rate that is the norm. The only way to prevent this is to control the buyer. All right, so let's talk about the top three ways to control the buyer. Consequently, my mentor is the one who introduced this concept of controlling the buyer 
uh, to me. And I vividly recall being apprehensive to such a concept because I wasn't keen on the idea of controlling anyone. I don't like the idea of forcing anything upon anyone. I far prefer letting others make their own decisions. My fears were subsided, though, when he shared with me that applying this technique actually helps all parties involved. It helps the buyer purchase a home that they truly want to own. It helps the buyer's agent representing the buyer get their commission. It helps the closing company get their fees. It helps the mortgage company originate a loan. And, of course, it helps you get your property sold. Plus, you flush out the tire kickers and time wasters so that they don't waste your time and you don't waste theirs. So rather than feeling like you are somehow maybe manipulating somebody when you control a buyer, what you're actually doing is creating a better outcome for all parties involved. So here are the three main ways in which to control the buyer. The first way is to pre-approve the buyer with your preferred lender. I'll say that again. Number one, pre-approve the buyer with your preferred lender. Controlling the buyer really starts before you ever get in contact with the buyer. It starts with the listing remarks. We have all of our students add a sentence into the realtor remarks on the MLS listing of any house flipping deal that reads, Buyer may use their own lender to purchase this property, but buyer must get pre-approved with seller's preferred lender upon submission of offer. Why do we put that in there? Because a pre-approval letter from a buyer's lender is not nearly as powerful as one from your own. When your preferred mortgage professional reviews the buyer's ability to get a loan, you will then have a much more accurate and reliable picture of the likelihood that the buyer will actually close. Plus, for many house-flipping deals, if you are not the owner of record for at least 90 days... Other lenders may not be able to get the buyer a loan due to title seasoning restrictions, whereas your mortgage person can. Or, let me ask this, if you haven't developed a relationship with a mortgage banker yet who can get no title seasoning loans closed and you're flipping houses right now, you best get on fixing that right away. (laughs) Okay, so the scary thing you will actually experience out there is that buyer's agents will drive prospective buyers around in their car for days, weeks, even months, showing them houses. And once they get knee-deep into a deal, discover that the buyer can't even qualify for a loan. It sounds crazy, but it's the real world. Some buyer's agents are so desperate for a commission that they will throw up a Hail Mary pass hoping for a miracle to occur in the end zone. You don't need to tie your property up with these wing-and-a-prayer buyers. Instead, verify the buyer with your mortgage person. What if the new buyer is an investor paying all cash? Then have that buyer send you an official statement from their bank showing the money is available in an account. What if the new buyer is an investor who will be getting a hard money loan? Talk to the hard money lender directly. Verify that this person is actually a hard money lender and not the buyer's, say, cousin. (laughs) And finally, make sure that the hard money lender is willing to fund the deal. What if your mortgage person thinks the buyer is shaky and getting a loan for them would be very difficult? Move on. If the buyer isn't solid, you will tie your property up for a month or more, and when a real buyer does come along, your deal will be tied up with the lousy buyer, and you will miss out. Have the courage to say no, or otherwise it will cost you more later. Besides, there are hundreds of buyers out there for your property. You only need one. Don't sweat it. 
If the person can't get a loan, don't sell your property. Move on. All right, so that was number one. Pre-approve the buyer with your preferred lender. Okay, number two, require non-refundable earnest money. This is hands down the most not followed advice we give in real estate. Hopefully, you won't have to learn this lesson the hard way. The concept is so simple, yet rarely implemented. Simply put, you require that the buyer's earnest money become non-refundable once the inspection period is over. It's that simple. Our experience over the past decade with more than a 1,000 real estate transactions is that if the buyer will not agree to allow their earnest money to go non-refundable after the inspection period, they are not a real buyer at all, but instead a time waster. Most house flipping investors are too scared to make this demand until they have been burned a few times. Then, magically, they muster up the courage to take the non-refundable earnest money stand because they don't want to experience the pain again. Hopefully, you don't have to touch the hot stove to know that it's going to burn your finger. (laughs) I've got news for you. It burns and it hurts. But you may say, getting non-refundable earnest money is much easier said than done, Phil. Well, yes, it can be against the grain, out of the box, not the norm. But it helps everyone in the deal, including the agent representing the buyer. In fact, the buyer's agent is usually the biggest opponent to the whole idea of non-refundable earnest money. They'll use phrases like, In my 10 years as a realtor, I have never done a deal where my buyer's earnest money is non-refundable. To which you can reply, There's a first time for everything. You know, when a buyer is serious about your property and is not concerned about being able to qualify for a loan, they won't run away when you ask for non-refundable earnest money after the inspection period. But the more a buyer balks at non-refundable earnest money, the more likely they, can get a, uh, they can't get a loan um, or they're just not serious about the property. The end result of not requiring non-refundable earnest money is that a buyer will st- will string everyone in the deal out for 30 days or more, and then when the deal doesn't go through or they find another home that interests them that week, they will leave the deal scot-free and waste everyone's time. Requiring non-refundable earnest money on house flipping deals is the essence of controlling the buyer. So that was number two. Number three, post-inspection response. After the inspection is complete on a house flipping deal and the report is provided to the prospective buyer, the buyer sometimes freaks out. (laughs) Inspectors are paid to find problems. If they provide a report to a buyer that is basically blank, the buyer gets upset and wonders why they paid someone $300 for a blank piece of paper. So the inspector must justify their existence on a beautiful, perfect, even new-built home. In other cases, inspectors do find legitimate issues that were crucial for the buyer to learn prior to purchasing the property. Be prepared for a mini meltdown from the buyer when they read the inspection report. It's normal. However, your post-inspection response is critical to controlling the buyer. If they send you a list of demands that must be fixed prior to closing, you have a few options. The first option, which most people do, 
is to frantically call contractors, licensed and bonded electricians and plumbers and other tradesmen to hammer out the huge punch list the buyer required. This response is the opposite of controlling the buyer. (laughs) The second option is to ensure the earnest money is non-refundable and then to go to work on knocking out the post-inspection demands of the buyer. Although better, it's not the best response. The third option is the one we usually recommend, which is to whittle down the list with the buyer or the buyer's agent to just the absolute necessities, the things that must get done or they will walk away, the deal killers on the list. Then, with help from a general contractor or handyman, come up with the cost to fix those items. Then, reduce the purchase price by that amount and let the new buyers decide on their own if they want those things fixed or not. They may just take the reduced sales price and leave everything else as is. Meanwhile, you didn't have to come out of pocket to fix anything or deal with any further delays that could occur if the contractors didn't get the work done on time. But most people choose option one. (laughs) They handle all the line items on the post-inspection counter, and then once all the work is done, the buyer doesn't close for one reason or another, and the investor is now out more money out of pocket, is blaming the economy, the real estate market, or just plain bad luck, and then vow that house flipping doesn't work. I've seen that unfortunate result from beginners and experts alike. So how do you avoid the biggest house flipping mistake? You control the buyer. That's right. You control the buyer by having your mortgage banker pre-approve the buyer requiring non-refundable earnest money after the inspection period in your contract and offering to reduce the purchase price for just the deal-killing inspection items. You've heard my take on this subject. I'd love to hear your response. Please give me some comments. Um, if you love this this um, podcast, please give me some five stars. Always love that too. And you can head over to my website, freedommentor.com. I've got an article here. A lot of people are writing some great comments about this here. And love to hear your, your back and forth and what you think about it. All right, I'm Phil Pustiowski with Real Estate Investing in the Real World. You can learn more about us at freedommentor.com. Thanks so much.